0: Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty.
1: Welcome to Victory Church today. I can't get the admin people to stop talking. They're just up talking and greeting people. They just, uh, they're excited to be in the house today. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh, again, OKC Campus, I love you. Uh, miss you guys. Hope you're doing well. Uh, today, uh, before I get started in the message, I do want to take just a second, we're going to be doing some partying here at the Edmund campus today, uh, yeah. celebrating 10 years, and, and we have a lot of festivities planned uh, after service and during the service, but before I get into the message, I do want to just take a minute and talk about that for just a second. Um, Michelle and I have been spending the last couple of days kind of, kind of reminiscing about, um, first off, you know, have you ever heard that saying that, that the closer the toilet, toilet roll gets to the end, the faster it goes? Uh, <laughs> it's like, you ever heard that before? That's kind of a bad dad joke But um, 10 years I started doing the math You know, And some of you guys will be mad at me For, for thinking that this is bad but and it's not bad But I thought, okay, it's been 10 years In 10 more years, I'll be 52 What? In 10 more years, my daughter will be 24 Corey will be 24 years old Jace will be 21, and Michelle will be 30. That, I mean, because women don't age. Women just stay. She hit 30, and she just decided to stay there. Uh, I do want to show you, before I get started in the message, I want to show you a cool video that Michelle and I found. We, uh, a couple of months ago, we pulled out a bunch of old videos, um, and we were watching these old videos of our, our kids' births and our, our wedding and all these different, different videos, and we came across a clip that I really hadn't planned on showing you, and I'm super embarrassed to show it to you, but I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, this clip that you're about to see is uh, randomly, my wife pulled out the video camera on my, after my very first day uh, becoming an employee of Victory Church. All right, go ahead and show that clip.
0: Today is August 16th,
1: 2011, right? Yep. John started his new job
0: today. Victory uh, Church. Yep. How do you feel? How do I feel? Yeah.
1: I still don't feel like a campus pastor. Hey God, ready.
0: It's only
1: day one. Yeah. Who knows where we'll be twenty years from now when we're watching this? All of our kids are growing. I'm ready. But I know it's where God wants me, so we'll just see what happens. Maybe I'll be Preaching to
0: hundreds of
1: people. It's so funny to watch. I think I looked depressed, didn't I? Like, I look like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I left higher ed to get into the ministry, and I I think after the first day, I was like, oh, Lord, please, please don't let me have made a massive mistake. And I I was just, you know, I don't know if you heard, it was very poor audio, obviously. And uh, I said, well, you know, who knows where we'll be 20 years from now. And uh, I said, we'll just see what happens. And then I said, I don't know if you heard me say this, I said it facetiously, like I was kidding, because whenever I took the job at Victory Church, I said, I'll take the job as long as you promise me I never have to preach because I was terrified of preaching. And at the end of that video, I don't know if you heard me say it or not, I said, who knows, maybe I'll be preaching to hundreds of people someday. And I was just, I was being facetious because I did, I didn't want to preach. And so it's kind of cool. And if you don't journal, I'd encourage you to journal because it's good to go back and just reflect on the goodness of God, you know, and, and God will take you to places that you never thought he would take you and hardship through, through hardships and Many toils and snares, and, uh, and, but he's faithful, amen? Isn't God faithful? Aren't we glad that God is faithful? And so I'm so honored to, um, I'm honored to be your pastor. I really am. This is one of the greatest honors of my life. And uh, it's such a joy to do life with you guys. And I'm going to stop before I cry, and I'm going to preach, okay? So if you have your Bibles, open open your Bibles up with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. <clears throat> I'm going to get there in just a minute. So, um, so far in this kind of mini-season, if you're new to Victory Church, I've been preaching kind of on this idea of identity and who am I, and we've been talking about um, this concept that we're not orphans, that we're sons and daughters of the Most High God, and we should behave accordingly. And we shouldn't have to think or act or lead or father or mother like orphans, that, that we're sons of God, and we should behave that way and act that way and live that way and think that way. And really, so far, we've been talking about two main themes it would be identity and intimacy. And the way that we get identity in Christ is through intimacy with Christ. And that we live in the affections of our loving father who loves us and appreciates us and adores us before we accomplish or achieve anything. He already accepts us. And so we achieve this identity. And I've been kind of preaching this down your throats for for many weeks, but I think I can kind of begin to make a shift. I think we're all kind of catching this idea. And so now that we kind of catch this idea of identity, identity and intimacy, what I want to start to do over the next several weeks is begin to shift into what does that mean for us and, and how, how can we live our lives, uh, practically speaking, with this kind of mindset and this kind of thinking in place. And that's kind of where I want to lead you to today. Uh, today I want to talk to you. I alluded to this in, in one of the first weeks when I was talking about the prodigal son in Luke 15. Uh, about talking about inheritance. Today I want to begin to talk to you about this idea of inheritance and living a life of inheritance. <clears throat> I believe that the prodigal son who ran away was just looking for the next blessing. He wanted a blessing. And, and the father was trying to get him to understand that uh, I want you to live a life of inheritance. That's why when he came home, he gave him the robe and he gave him his signet ring saying, hey, you're my son and I want you to live like you're my son. I want you to live in this idea of inheritance Um, I I, want to ask you a question. What do you think of when you think of the word blessed? I don't think that anybody would have negative feelings to that. Everyone loves this idea of being blessed. Uh, Blessings is a great thing. It's all through Scripture. It's an amazing thing. There's nothing wrong with being blessed. But I want to present something to you today that might challenge you to think a way that you've never thought before. And I'm just presenting this for your uh, for your thoughts, you know, for you to, to begin to think through this and, and process through this. Because I want to begin to present to you to, you to some, something today that there's actually something better than blessing. Um, inheritance is better than blessing. Okay? Uh, so, so um, based on the number of claps that brought, I, now I know I need to <laughs> preach a message on it. Okay? So, <clears throat> so the title of my message today is Better Than Blessed. Better than blessed. Uh, Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for this moment. We pause to thank you for this campus and and the faithfulness of God through the seasons that we've been through. And we know that this is only the beginning. Uh, This this campus and this church is only in its infancy. And you have great things in store for us. So, Father, today, as your children, we lean in to your word and we ask that you would speak to us and, and give us direction, give us clarity. Help us to begin to to live as sons and daughters and lean into every, every single thing that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I am certainly, please hear me out when I start this message by, by prefacing, by saying, I am saying that blessing is awesome. Please don't walk away from here thinking, well, I shouldn't seek blessing anymore. I shouldn't want to be blessed. No, you should want to be blessed (laughs) because God is a good father who pours out many blessings to his children and we should want to, 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 to act this way. I, I remember when I was in college, my parents, you know, I didn't grow up in a, in a really wealthy family. My, my dad was a pastor his whole life of, of small churches. And when I got to college, my, my mom, my mom would mail me a $20 check every week and I would kind of live off 20 bucks a week, which sounds hard, but as a college student, that's not hard at all. Uh, that's back when Taco Bell had like three tacos for 99 cents. I mean, I was just fine. I, I felt like I was eating like a king. So, so they would send this to me. And, but there, there came a point in time in my, in, in my adulting that the manna stopped. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Corey, the other day, I think I said this maybe in one of my previous messages. But Corey, the other day, I said, Corey, you're gonna you're gonna move out soon. Uh, she goes, Dad. She, no, she was telling me, Dad, I'm gonna move out soon. And I said, Babe, you're not officially moved out until you move out of my wallet. <laughs> you're still in my wallet. You're still living at home. Uh, but there's this idea that the father blesses us and blesses us and blesses us, and manna continues to come and continues to come. But there came this moment where I had to kind of grow up. And then I, I, I began to truly live an inheritance of everything that my parents had taught me. But the idea of inheritance didn't mean that I could just sit back and get, go to the ATM anytime I wanted to. It meant that now I have to fall un, in line with all the values that my parents have taught me of hard work and principle and promises and all of these things. And then I begin to, to live a life of inheritance for myself. Let me ask you a different way. So Jeff Bezos is now the wealthiest person in the world. He's worth $200 billion dollars. Try to wrap your brain around that for a second. Now, let me ask you this question. Would you rather receive a blessing from Jeff Bezos or would you rather be his son? Do do you see the difference? There's a difference between a blessing and an inheritance. And this is what I want to try to to unpack for you today um, a little bit if you'll allow me to. So, So blessings are one time. Inheritance is all the time. Okay, there's some, some differences here. Blessings are temporal, inheritance is eternal. Blessings in many time, many times many forms comes as a bailout. You know, when's the last time you prayed for God to bless you probably because you were in a pinch and you needed you needed a bailout. Uh, inheritance is not a bailout, it's belonging. I belong to something. I'm 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 a part of a family. And blessings are good. Listen, I love blessings. I want blessings. But inheritance is great. Okay, So I'm going to try to just shift your thinking just a little bit today. And if you have your Bibles, I told you earlier to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to go there. So uh, just after chapter 8 is kind of this moment where they're about to go into the promised land. And Moses doesn't get to go with them. But Moses, starting in chapter 1, like chapter 1 to to chapter 8, is Moses kind of giving this last speech. He's giving this rah-rah locker room speech. You're about to go out and play ball on the field of life. And let me spend these eight chapters to remind you of your training and to remind you of the goodness of God and to remind you where God has brought you to this point. And now we're about to hit the field, and you're about to walk into the promised land, aka your inheritance. Okay? So chapter eight, verse one says this: It says, All the commandments that I'm commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. This is inheritance. And you shall remember all the way which the, uh, you, sh- you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that He might humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. How many of you know sometimes before God does something for you, He does something in you? And he's saying, "Before you go into the promised land, let me just remind you of the work that the Lord has done in you. And the wilderness that you walked through was not to punish you. It was to sharpen you. It was to humble you and to test you and to prepare you for what you're about to walk into. Verse 16. Now we're going to skip down to verse 16. Verse 16 says this. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. Verse 18 says, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. You're gonna do it on your own, but he's given you the power to do it. Previously, you woke up every day helpless, dependent upon a blessing of manna to fall from the sky. But now you're about to walk into inheritance, and now I'm going to give you the power to build wealth in this life of inheritance. That he may confirm his covenant, his covenant, his inheritance, which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. So prior to today, Moses is saying, you were dependent upon the provision of blessing and we should thank god for blessing cuz manna saved your life the, the manna was a good thing it was it was blessing but he's saying from this moment forward you will step into another realm of provision it's called the provision of my inheritance called the promised land and it's going to it's going to it's going to it's going to force you to do some things to live with this attitude of inheritance uh, and i love this quote <clears throat> I actually got, I stole this quote from Pastor Oscar. I'll give him credit. I was going through the message with him and Pastor Wade. And I love what Pastor Oscar said. He said, we cannot live a promised land inheritance relying on a desert land blessing. Once you decide, once you find your identity in Christ and you're living a life of identity and intimacy with the Father, you now cross the plane into the land of inheritance. And this is what I want to uh, 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 present to you today. And even really think about this. When you, when you receive blessing and blessing and blessing, you, it's all about you. It's all about you. And when you shift your thinking that, I, I, yes, I'll take blessings and I'm thankful for God who gives them. But now I'm living a life of inheritance. Now these blessings that come to me flow through me to other people. So blessing is all about me. Inheritance is all about what God wants to do through me. So we begin to see this, and so Paul said it this way. Paul said, the church of Corinth in chapter 3, verse 2, he said, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are, you are still not ready. He said, so I'm just going to have to keep giving you milk. I'm just going to have to keep blessing you over and over and over again because you're not ready to step into this next realm that I'm asking you to step into. And all that preach is really good. You know, that's a, a decent, a decent uh, concept. But what does that mean practically? I want to break this down practically to you today, okay? So I have six steps of progression, okay, that we all must walk through. And most of this is going to kind of come out uh, in the theme of, of finances or wealth or, or the concept of how do we, what do we do with our money as believers. But I want you to know that it's, it's applicable to your time and to your relationships and everything. It's kind of applicable to all of it. But because when most of us think of the word blessing, we automatically think money and i think it's one of the areas that that most believers struggle with the most this concept mentally of of money and how do i how do i work this money i'm going to present it to you kind of with that with that theme okay so six steps of progression to live a life of inheritance as a son or daughter and i had this all out there were six of them and as i as i looked through it i was like okay this is a lot and victory church people are really sharp they're really smart uh, but I'm afraid that if I present all of this at once, um, I don't know how many be- people will actually grasp it. So I'm actually, this is kind of a mini two-part, okay? So I'm going to give you the first three today, and I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger. Uh, we should learn from Netflix, right? That's that's the, how they get you to watch the next episode, leave you leave you on a cliffhanger. So I'm going I'm to give you three of them today, and then I'm going to give you the, the next three next week, so you have to be be there for that. So I am going to go ahead and give you all six of them at first, Okay because I want you to see the big picture. I want to show you where we're going before I take you there. And so they're going to put this up on the screens real big, and you can take a picture of it with your phone if you want to. So, okay, so, so these are kind of the steps. Proper identity produces proper values. Step one. Proper values produce proper authority. Proper authority produces proper stewardship. Proper stewardship produces proper margin. Proper margin produces proper distribution. And proper distribution produces proper multiplication. Okay? So that's where we're going to go today. Uh, if you missed that, text your friend that took a picture of it and you were, you were too slow to get your phone out. Let's talk about the first one. Okay? Let's just dive right in. Step number one. Proper identity produces proper values. Now, we've been working on for several weeks <clears throat> us obtaining and it's a, it's a constant, okay? It's not like it's a one and done and you got this. Every day we're working on this, but at least we have an understanding of how important our identity is. Without proper identity in Christ, you will live most of your life trying to figure out who you are, not why you're here. Once you figure out who you are, this really is the most critical step, and if you don't get this one right, the rest of them will fall apart. I believe that we're getting there. I believe that we're understanding our identity in Christ. I'm hearing so many testimonies about this idea of the same work that the Lord did in me on this orphan heart, of God working this orphan heart out of me. And now I'm coming into a full understanding of my identity in Christ. So, for the children of Israel, I believe they had an identity problem. Part of the wilderness journey for the Israelites was working on their identity. They had spent all of these years as slaves. Generation upon generation upon generation upon generation. And so not only were they slaves with their hands, they were slaves with their hearts. And not only were they slaves with their hearts, they were slaves in their minds. And not only were they slaves in their mind, they were slaves in their mouths. And so everything from the time they woke up to the time they went to sleep, they were slaves. They had an identity problem. And God was constantly trying to work this out of them because as we said a while ago, God will do something in us before he gets something to us. God wants to get something to you. But many times I think he's more interested in doing the work on the inside of us because if he doesn't do the work on the inside of us, when he brings the something to you, you'll mess it up. So he wants to do a work in us first. Now let's let's unpack this a little bit, this identity, this idea of identity Orphans have no family lineage. They have one, but they've been cut off from it, or they feel like they've been cut off from it. So they don't have this family line present. They have one on paper, but they don't have one present. So this idea of inheritance doesn't apply to orphans. An orphan has no idea what the concept of an inheritance is. So an orphan is reliant upon an orphanage, to provide manna or blessing every single day. So this, this is how an orphan thinks. All, all, however, a son and a daughter know their father, and they know that they have access to their father. My kids don't ask to come into my room. They just come in. <laughs> and sometimes they get a surprise when they come in. <laughs> they, like, they just kind of walk in. My kids don't worry about food. You guys realize this? My kids aren't at school going, oh my gosh, I wonder if we're going to get to eat tonight. They know that I'm their father and I love them. And when they go to the pantry, there's food there. And they don't say, Father, may I go to the pantry and have some crackers? They're just in there, rummaging through, making messes, because they live a life of inheritance. They live this, 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 this mindset and this idea. Orphans, this is how orphans behave. Uh, spiritual orphans, or, or, or even practical orphans, natural orphans, behave as though there's only so many pieces of the pie. And if I don't get my piece of the pie, then I won't eat. Sons and daughters say, My dad owns the bakery. And if I miss this go around, I'm good. In fact, who needs a piece of pie? Here, take, take some of mine. Take, take some of my pie because my dad's the baker. And if I ever need some more pie, I'll just turn and say, Dad, can I have a piece of pie? He's like, sure, son. What I have is yours. Take and eat, right? So that's the, the, the difference of the thinking. I told this story years ago in, in a sermon one time I went in uh, to, to Jason's room. He was like four. I don't think he would even remember this. And him and Corey were in there fighting over goldfish. Now, you know, as a parent, goldfish is like pure gold. I don't know who invented goldfish, but, I mean, it's just a cracker in the shape of a goldfish, but for some reason, it might as well be gold bars to kids. Like, they love goldfish, and it was the last box of goldfish, and they were in there fighting over it, and Jace would not share. He had the box of goldfish, and he wouldn't share, and I was just like, son, why don't you give Corey some goldfish? And he said, because this is it. This is all there is to have And this is mine. Corey is not getting into this goldfish. And I said to Jace, I said, do you know how how many goldfish I could buy you? Do you have any idea? I said, son, I could fill up your room with goldfish to the ceiling to where there's goldfish. If you open the window, and it would just pour out the sides of your room. But he was so locked in on this is it. This is all there is. And if I don't eat it, there's not going to be any left. Instead of living a life of saying, you know what, my dad loves me. And if I want more goldfish, goldfish, Dad will get me more goldfish. So look at these two comparisons, comparisons. In the land of blessing, provision falls in your lap. Okay? And nobody's upset about this. This is good stuff. Everybody loves the testimony where provision just falls in your lap. And we should be thankful for it. And I'm, I'm not even saying we shouldn't pray for it. I'll pray for it. I love when, when God provides. I love when a miracle shows up. I love when God uh, does it this way. But let's go back to this text we read in verse 16. He says, in the wilderness, we fed you manna, which was your, father, which your fathers did not know. He's saying the manna that fell from heaven was a blessing, but let me remind you the place that that was required was in the wilderness. In the wilderness, I had, I had to pour out blessings on you. Now, let me also remind you, as good as blessings are, again, I'm going to say it over and over again because I don't want anybody to misread what I'm saying. I like blessings, okay? But let me remind you a couple of things about the manna. The manna only fell once a day, remember? And we know from Scripture that it was only enough for that day. They could never get ahead. Never, ever, ever could they get ahead. If they tried to get ahead, the maggots would eat it. Remember this? And it was always just enough for that day. And so if you live a blessing mentality, a provision fall in your lap mentality, you should be thankful for it. But if you, if you live your life this way as an orphan, you'll never have enough. You'll never be able to get ahead. Every time you get a little bit, your hot water tank will break. Has that ever happened to you? It's like, use your savings just enough, and then your car breaks down. You, you can never seem to get ahead. You can never seem to get ahead. Now, let me, let me show you the opposite of this. Is in the land of inheritance, provision comes through promises. Okay? Now, we still partake. Even, even, in the, even, even in the land of inheritance, we partake in blessings. Okay, But in the land of inheritance, we step into another realm. Verse 18 says, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make Wealth that he may confirm his covenant which he swore to his fathers, to your fathers, as it is this day. When you come into inheritance, you are now a part of the family. Okay? You are now in the family business. But it doesn't mean that you just get to sit back and chill and do nothing, it means that you got to work with the family business. That there's a set of values that father, that daddy, that papa has set into place. And there's a reason why we have all this wealth, guys. And here's the work ethic that we do in this family. If you're going to be a part of this family, this is how we live. This is what we do. These are our values. And this is why values become so important. The good news about this land of inheritance is where multiplication began. Okay? Okay. This idea for the the Israelites, they had never experienced the realm of multiplication until they got to the promised land. In fact, when they were in slavery, all they experienced was subtraction. Pharaoh was like, I want you to make bricks without hay. What? That's subtraction. Now all of a sudden they go into the land of inheritance and something completely different begins to happen. I want to show it to you. It's in Joshua 5, verse 10. It says, while the sons of Israel camped in Gilgal, which is in the promised land, they crossed the Jordan River, they're sitting over there, they celebrated the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. Then on the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and roasted grain. That was their very first taste. The first time their taste buds had ever touched anything but manna. <laughs> and they were like, oh, I kind of like this inheritance thing. This promised land, this is different. That tastes good. I, I enjoy this. Verse 12 says, and the manna ceased, it stopped. The provision that fell on their lap every day, God says, you're not going to live this way anymore. Now, you're stepping into inheritance and living the way that I'm calling you to live. And on that day, after they had eaten some of the produce of the land so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. Now, the key word in that text is some. They ate some of the yield because what they were about to do was sow for the very first time. In the land of inheritance, they didn't consume everything. We're going to get into more of that next week. The land of inheritance, now they had to fall in line with a set of principles and values that the promises of God required, and that is I eat some and I sow some. But what they found out is when I sow some, for the first time they experienced multiplication. Because I sow one apple seed and I get a whole tree. So, so their, their minds are being blown <laughs> because they're stepping out from being just simply dependent upon the blessings and provision falling from the sky to stepping into something called inheritance. And with inheritance came a set of values that they must step into. So orphans live for the next blessing. Sons and daughters live from their inheritance. Okay, And this is a big difference. And believers have to figure this out. We have to step in to living a life of inheritance. And we're going to talk about this for, for the rest of today and and all of next week. We're going to talk about the importance of what does this mean to live a life of inheritance. Okay, let's go to the next point. Next point, proper values produce proper authority. Did you know that your values have authority over you? Okay? Whether you've been intentional with your values or not, that really doesn't matter. Some people write down their values, this is how we're going to live. But I can promise you that whatever your values are has authority over you. Okay? Now, what this may look like practically in your life is, um, let's say you value really clean seats in your car. Can I get an amen? That's me. But then you have a toddler that vomits everywhere (laughs) and takes goldfish and crumbs them everywhere. So because you value clean seats, you upgrade for the leather. Right? Right? Your values drove your spending habits. This is this is this this is what we do. If you value convenience, okay, then you'll spring for DoorDash. My wife hates DoorDash. I'm like, babe, we can just sit and chill and they're gonna bring the food to our table, to our thing, and ring the doorbell, and we just pick it up. Yeah, but it costs five bucks. I'm like, yeah, totally worth it. (laughs) Right? It could cost 20 bucks. I don't really care. Just bring it here so I don't have to get it out of my pajamas. And barely get off my couch. It's it's a value system. If you value a small footprint, if you value a green earth, then you're going to splurge for the hybrid. You're gonna you're gonna go for the electric car. So what I'm trying to show you is that your values, whatever your values are, will will drive your spending habits. And so so let me say it this way: you may not have a money problem. You may have a values problem. What are your values? What do you what do you value? Um, when it comes, comes to this, um, I, would, I would challenge you. I bet, I bet I could sit some of you down. I could sit down, married couples, and talk to the dad, talk to the husband, and, and talk about what are your values when it comes to money, and then sit down the spouse and say, what are your values when it comes to money? And it'll be total opposite. So you may not have a marriage problem. You may have a values problem. Have you ever gotten together and said, what do we believe? Where, where can I uh, uh, compromise and come a little bit towards you, and you compromise and come a little bit towards me? Right? So I'm not doing DoorDash every night because I like to stay married, but I'll do it every now and then, you know? So where can we compromise? Where, where can we come together? I love what it says in Habakkuk 2.2. 2. It says, write down the vision and inscribe it clearly on tablets so that one who reads it may run with it, okay? Here's, here's part of my challenge, if I could give you a little homework. You and your spouse or you alone, you know, with some wise counsel, you should sit down and write down some values, Okay? Some of you are living a life of values that have just been created by your lifestyle and your spending habits, instead of being really intentional and saying, no, these are our values, and me and my spouse come into agreement on these values, and we're going to live by these values, and when you start living by your values now, your, your money doesn't have authority over you anymore. You have authority over your money. This is a life of inheritance, guys. This is what it means to live a life of inheritance, that I'm coming in line with the principles in the scriptures, the promises of God, that I need, I need to be wise. We're going to get into stewardship, okay, in just, in just a few minutes, and, and I'm going to show you as, as, we, as we walk through this, if you will do these, I know this is super, you know, may not be the most exciting sermon, and no one's waving hankies, but I'm telling you, if you will do this step by step, find your identity, okay, get your identity down. Find your values, get authority over your money. Don't let your money have authority over you. We're going to follow these steps, and and God's going to do a work in you. So here's some examples of values you may write, okay? Have your values start with either we will or we will not, okay? So here's, here's, here's maybe some examples. We will work hard to make financial decisions not based on comparison. That's a value. So you're saying when we spend money, we're, okay, it's time to buy a new car. You've come into agreement as a couple that you're not going to make decisions about finances based on comparing our car to other people's cars. That's a value, okay? Uh, you might say, uh, we are going to, This is I'm just spitballing here, okay? We will wait two weeks and pray before we make any purchases over $1,000 or $5,000, whatever that is, fill in the blank. These are examples of values where you're coming together and you're believing together. You're, maybe, maybe a value is uh, we will save every time we spend or we will pay with cash. I don't know what you're... You need to come up with some values that are going to drive your spending habits. There's one value that I would encourage every believer to have as their number one value. Okay, This, 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 is, this would be a really important value for every believer to have. Everything that is ours isn't really ours. <laughs> everything you have, everything you own, the car you drive, the house you have, the business you own, it's not yours. That is a really important value. Let me show you just a couple of, of, uh, of scriptures to back this up. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, but you shall remember that the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. If you have wealth, it's only because God gave you the power to make it. Psalm 50, verse 10 says, For every animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for the world is mine and everything it contains. So nothing we own, we really own. Okay? James 1:17 says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadows. The business is not yours. <laughs> the house is not yours. Your job is not yours. Your car is not yours. Nothing we have is ours. What, what is the core value? A, a value, this morning I had a cup of vanilla coffee. I hate vanilla coffee. But it's what my wife drinks. Okay, so I drink vanilla coffee. The reason it's vanilla coffee is because it passed through a filtration system. And every drop of water that passed through that filtration system tasted a certain way. Okay? So if I wanted hazelnut coffee, I would change my value. I would change my my filter. So what a value becomes is everything in my belonging, everything in my, every thought, every action, every word must pass through this filtration system. And if it doesn't meet the value or the filter that it has passed through, then we won't drink the water that comes out of it. Okay, we need to apply this to our finances. We need to have values that we live by. Let's keep going. Number three. Man, I'm so glad I did three instead of six. (laughs) So now, because we have identity and because we've set proper values in place, now our money answers to us. I now have authority over my dollars, my dollars don't have authority over me. Okay. Now, when we get to this point, number three, now proper authority produces proper stewardship. I would say, um, yeah, I think I'm bold enough to say this: um, stewardship is more important than giving. Only because if you don't steward, then you can't give. It's it's impossible. I've I've never met anybody that doesn't want to give. Everybody wants to give. There's, there's nothing more joyful. Jesus said, the, the words of Jesus are ascribed in, in the book of Acts. He said it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's way more blessed. Have you ever given something to somebody and you met a need and they just light up and they just can't believe it? That is so much more fulfilling than receiving a blessing any day of the week. So everybody wants to be a blessing, but very few people can be a blessing because we haven't stewarded well. And we have it stewarded well because our money has authority over us, and we don't have authority over our money. And we don't have authority over our money because we don't have proper values. And we don't have proper values because we don't have identity in Christ. So you're going to see this step by step. We're going to continue this next week, step by step, where where I get identity in Christ. I'm not an orphan. I need to stop behaving like an orphan. My dad owns the bakery. What am I worried about? And when I have that proper identity, now I step into proper authority because I have the right values, and now I can begin to steward. If you have inherited something, okay, think about it this way. If you have inherited something, what that literally means is you have been called to steward it. That's what inheritance is. Someday, somebody in your family may or may not pass away and may or may not leave you an inheritance. When they leave you that inheritance, what that family member is telling you is I trust you to inherit and steward and manage everything that I worked hard for my whole life. Okay? As believers, God is saying, I am entrusting you with the keys to the kingdom. I give you the key to the safe. I give you the signet ring on your hand and throw a robe of righteousness around your neck. And what he's saying is the reason I can do this for you is because I trust you to be a good steward. I... I have been called to steward Victory Church. This is not my church. I'm the interim lead pastor. Right? Don't panic. I'm not resigning or anything. But I'm 42. I'm I'm not Thor. I'm not gonna live forever. You know? Someday, I hope it's a long ways off, there's gonna be another lead pastor. So it's my job to steward well. So that when I pass off this kingdom inheritance to the person behind me, stewardship is such an important part. Watch what God told Adam in Genesis 2.15. He says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. This word keep in Hebrew is the Hebrew word shamir. And it means to have charge of, to keep, to watch over. Okay, now think about this. He said, I give you authority, okay, to steward the Garden of Eden. So this, this, this passage in Deuteronomy, I give you power to make wealth for you to steward it well. It's a stewardship issue. Most of us don't have giving issues. We don't have generosity issues. We have steward issues. We can't give because we haven't stewarded God's resources well. Okay. I know it's quiet. That's okay. Okay, see, you said amen, didn't you? I I think I heard you (laughs) from all the way. I love, uh, Pastor Robert uh, wrote a book. Everyone knows the first book he wrote, The Blessed Life. Everyone loved that book. That book went viral. Everyone loved that book. He wrote a second book that didn't sell near as many copies called Beyond Blessed, okay? Because he says that giving and stewardship go equally. Uh, giving without stewardship is like trying to uh, is like a one one legged man trying to walk. It's, it's 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 two legs, stewardship giving, stewardship giving, stewardship giving, and if you're trying to do one without the other, it won't work. It won't work. It's 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 both. Okay. Let me move past some of this. Um, so now, but remember, we have we're, we're setting values. We're going to go home, and we're going to have new values. Our values are going to be based upon our relationship in Christ, our identity in Christ, our intimacy with Christ. He's the baker, right? He owns the bakery. We're the baker. He owns the bakery. we get, we got nothing to worry about. My, my identity is secure. Therefore, I'm going to set values. I'm going to live a certain way. I'm going to get authority over my money. I'm going to be a good steward. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. This word stewards in this text is the Greek word oikonomos and it means the superintendent. Isn't that good? You're the superintendent. The one to whom the head of the house has entrusted to manage his affairs. This is this goes back this would this would present the the parable of the talents. Remember the parable of the talents? Let me read the first part of it, Matthew 25, 14. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. God is the master, you're the servant. Everything you have, God has entrusted his wealth to you, and he wants to know how you're going to steward it. One got 10 talents, one got five, and one got... Uh, one got two, one got one. Remember, and so a couple of them went and invested it and doubled it. You know the story. The one, the guy who had one talent, buried it. And I'm not going to read the whole parable, but I want to read, read to I want to read to this, read you this how it ends, because I want you to know how serious God is about stewardship. Okay. To take the bag of gold from him. So so this is what God told was telling them based on the one who's who hid his bag of gold, his talent. Verse 28, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags, the one who the one who doubled it, the one who took it from five to ten. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm, I that's the Bible it wasn't John's words <laughs> Sometimes when we're down and out we look at people that are doing really well in life And we judge them instead of saying well, maybe they're just good stewards right. Maybe God trusts that person and has entrusted more So so this should challenge us this shouldn't embitter us and make us mad at God This should say gosh, look what look what is available to me if I will just steward God's resources well And there's one thing that keeps most people from being good stewards Okay? I'll wrap this up. Time. Because in order to be a good steward requires time. <laughs> and most of us don't like this idea of time. We would rather get it now. I'd rather get the loan now. Get the, get the thing now. Time is a key element to this, to this idea of stewardship. So we cannot give if we cannot steward. Steward. We'll pick up here next week where we just stopped with stewardship. And and next week we'll get even more practical, okay, and, and line this out. But let me just reverse it back for where we stand today. We cannot give if we cannot steward, okay? We cannot steward if we cannot have authority over our finances. You cannot have authority over your finances unless you have values, God's values. You want to step into the land of inheritance, you step into the land of God's values and his promises, And if you wonder what God's promises are, they're in the Bible. And they're very clear. They're very abundant. They're they're, they're there. He's saying, you want to live a life of inheritance? If you want to be in this family business, you're going to live by this family's values. So we step into those values. But you can't step into those values unless you step into relationship with Jesus. And understand your identity in Christ. You are not what people say about you. You're not what you say about yourself. You are not your past. You are not your failures. You are not yesterday. You are today. You are you are the God, you are the, the man or woman that God has called you to be because of the blood of Jesus. Period. End of story. Okay? Do not set your identity in Christ based on your identity of yourself. Because you'll never measure up. The identity you have in Christ is because of the, is this, oh my gosh, the shed blood of Jesus Christ that covers and washes a multitude of sin. Let me pray for you today. Father, we thank you for the blood. Maybe I skipped the most important step of all in my message. Because I said it started with identity, but really if we backed it up one more, Jesus, it started with you started when you gave your life for us you hung on a cross you bled and died so that I can have identity so that so that I can have righteousness so that I can be holy so that I can be redeemed so that I can be accepted it all started with the work on the cross may we never forget the simplicity and the complexity of the cross it starts there Lord We're mindful of that today in Jesus' name. Thank you for
0: joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church slash give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.